Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hey everyone, how's it going? It's Anthony Gazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I hope you all enjoyed your NFL kickoff weekend, week one. You could probably see me. I've got some bags under my eyes because I was actually in Seattle and at the game, the week one game between the Bengals and the Seahawks. First of all, I have to say I met quite a few people, quite a few Bengals fans out there and quite a few of them were very flattering and recognized me. I couldn't even believe it. Uh, so to those of you I met, those of you who, uh, you know, maybe went to the game and I didn't didn't get to meet, I hope you had a good time. But for those of you I did get to meet this weekend, that was awesome. It was great meeting all of you, seeing a lot of the Bengals fans in Seattle for the week one game. So let's get into it. Um, a lot of a lot of things to take away from this game. And, and quite honestly, a lot of positives. Um, where I, I was sitting uh, like field level on the Bengals sideline. So I got to see a lot of, um, I got to see a lot of different things happening on the sideline from the Bengals. The, the, the substitutions, uh, that was one thing that really stuck out to me. A lot of substitutions on this, uh, on this team in and out, in and out. The tight ends were, were basically CG Ozama and, uh, Tyler Eifert were basically switching off almost every other play, it seemed like. So a ton of substitutions, a lot of movement, and I think that that is part of the Zach Taylor offense that that is a positive and really keeps a defense on its heels. You saw that even without an A.J. Green, even without Joe Mixon, any of, any of that, any of those guys in there, um, you know, this team was really close to pulling out a, a win, an unlikely win by many people's standards because of the venue where it was at. And, um, you know, the Seahawks are a talented team. So um, they were able to do a lot of a, a lot of things on offense. That, and I was really trying to watch and keep up with that. So that's something that I don't know if a lot of people caught or not. Maybe you did, but a ton of substitutions in terms of in in series guys coming in and out, especially on offense. Um, they went two linebackers quite a bit on defense. Uh, the other the other thing, um, you know, the other thing that, that was kind of obvious on that side of the ball was the play of the defensive line, really, as they went, the rest of the defense went. And really, I thought it was a pretty decent uh, – they gave up a couple of big plays, but I thought it was a pretty decent showing by the defense um, for of the Bengals in, in – you know, especially from what we saw last year, not a great <laughs> unit to say the least last year. So, um, you know, big improvements there. Um, you know, a lot of things though, with the good came the bad. So you had John Ross get this, you know, have this breakout game, 150 yards and two touchdowns, great game, you know, by, by most standards, but two 
really big drops during during the day that hurt the Bengals. Um, just little mistakes. I mean, there was a there was a ball to Tyler Boyd that was probably going to be uh, you know a big play. He slips on the turf and the ball falls incomplete on a third down when the Bengals were moving the ball. Then the missed field goal, the two Andy Dalton fumbles, the Alex Erickson fumble. So what I I guess where I'm having pause in terms of how I really, you know, I would like to think that this team is really taking the next step and is, is doing, is looking good and moving in the right direction under Zach Taylor. But the thing that I worry about is sometimes teams, if they really, I'm trying to find the right words for this, but sometimes teams have trouble finding ways to win. And so even though they're doing a lot of good things, a lot, we're seeing growth out of certain players that we need to see growth out of, like John Ross, there are still kind of these mistakes, these dumb kind of plays that, uh, you know, obviously cost them the game. They can't trust their kicker, I guess, beyond 45 yards now. It used to be beyond 50 yards. So, you know, that's frustrating. But all in all, I think, you know, for now, one game in, and you saw some growth throughout the preseason. I, I think one game in, you have to kind of like what the Bengals put out on film for the most part. Again, some mistakes, not that many penalties. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, what the difference was, when the Bengals made, the, made mistakes, Seattle immediately capitalized. But every other time in the game, Seattle wasn't able to move the ball or do much of anything. Um, and then when the when the Bengals had opportunities to really take control of the game, they did not do that. They got into Seattle territory three times and came away with zero points because of a turnover on downs, a missed field goal, and then they they ended up punting another time, I believe. So um, you know, a, a lot of a lot of takeaways. There was um, you know, I guess in a way you like the moral victory. I guess I'm not a big fan of moral victories myself, but I mean, I guess it, you like that, but. At the same time, you almost look at this game now, a game that they were not supposed to win, and, and you, you, you kind of have to be a little bit frustrated because they, you have to feel like they let some things uh, – let this one get away. So, um, you know, tough one, but I, hopefully they'll grow. Again, I think what this coaching staff did that – and it, they're going to need to continue to do it throughout the rest of the season. They did a good job of trying to mask the deficiencies on this on this team, which are the linebackers. They only really played two, and Preston Brown played relatively well. Um, so, they, they you know, the deficiencies of linebacker, the deficiencies obviously on offensive line, they still were able to throw for over 400 yards, could not run the football. So, uh, you know, I, I think they, the coaches have done a good job of – trying to mask those deficiencies. They were getting the ball out quick. There were a lot of timing patterns, that sort of thing, um, to kind of mask some of those things on offense. Daniel Boyd asks a question here. Hello, so I have a question about the kicking. Why do we still continue to deal with the kicking problems that lost that lost the game in my mind? I mean, yeah, that's that's the tough thing. You can, you can easily pinpoint a couple of plays, uh, a couple of, you know, one or two plays and you say that's that's where they lost and obviously when the when points don't go on the board in a in the form of a missed field goal that's an easy area to point to it's a big it is a big problem i will say i was there at the game um i mean it had just rained now granted they have turf there they don't have the grass but it had just rained shortly before that and rained kind of kind of relatively hard for a brief period of time and uh you know i don't know if that had some sort of factor with it with Randy Bullock missing that that kick but that those are the types of kicks 
that you you need to make. Um, you know, there's kind of a shortage of of really good kickers. It seems in the NFL right now, teams are cycling through them. I, I, the Jets I saw are already looking for another kicker. I think it's like their third and third year in three years they're they're going after. So I mean, there is a shortage of good left tackles in the NFL. There is a shortage of really good kickers that you can count on to routinely make 45, 50, 50 plus yard field goals. And the Bengals do not have one of those guys. So, um, you know, Zach Taylor did a lot of things with the roster. He's done a lot of things with the game planning to, you know, kind of make it his team. But for some reason, Bullock was a guy that was held over probably because Darren Simmons, the special teams coordinator has a comfort level with him Clark Harris and Kevin Huber. So really up and down day from the special teams unit. Bullock had the missed kick. Uh, Erickson had the fumble on the punt return. And then you have uh, Kevin Huber. I mean, as far as punters go, Kevin Huber had an outstanding game, probably one of the best games punting the football, pinned uh, Seattle deep routinely in the game. So real up and down day from that unit. But I, I don't really have a good answer to that, Daniel. I mean, you would look at, what Randy Bullock has given you, what he continues, who he continues to be, you know who he is by now, and they are content with sticking with him. Um, they they've, didn't bring in any hefty comp competition for Bullock, um, and obviously that was a pivotal moment in the game to, uh, you know, and <laughs> you, see, you see a game, you lose by a point, obviously a field, missed field goal looms pretty large. There were other issues, though, in the game aside from that. I, I have a hard time saying that was why the Bengals lost, but it was one of the reasons for sure that they lost. Uh, Homer Harold Jr. says they were looking good. Um, yes, and Justin Michael Koontz, by the way, who doesn't like my hat. I apologize you don't like my hat, Justin, but I like it. I like the flat bill. Um, I, I agree with you. There were some terrible calls by the referees, and the fact that they even wanted to review the pass interference, the supposed pass interference play, I believe it was on Damian Willis, um, the, the one that – you know, defensive pass interference, they challenged it, and it took them a long time to just up, uphold the call. But the fact that they even reviewed that uh, was was maddening to me. There were missed calls. Obviously, the play at the end, I mean, that's a play, even if the Bengals get the ball back, highly, highly unlikely they make a play to win. But that was not a fumble. Um, I mean, I was around numerous people in the stands that also Seahawks fans and Bengals fans alike who agreed that that was not a fumble. That was a forward pass. But um, you know, there was that. There were other other things going on throughout the entire day from a referee standpoint that was uh, pretty subpar. Um, so, yes, I agree. It, it, I don't like to use that as an excuse for a loss, but they definitely did not help uh, the Bengals' cause. Um, I'm seeing, yeah, Omar Booker, got to get the running game going. I, my my thing is this. I With the running game, is it is – it, kind of a chicken and an egg thing, right? I mean, is it like, was it because Mixon was out most of the game and they had a lot of plays designed specifically for Mixon in that game against that defense that maybe don't play into Bernard's strengths? So that's kind of why it struggled. Was it the poor blocking? That was definitely an issue. Um, good defense against, you know, good front uh, from Seattle, possibly. Um, probably a myriad of issues, but that is something they do need to find balance. I mean, I know this passing game's fun, and you got to pass the ball to win, and Andy Dalton looks comfortable and, and you know, had a lot of sharp throws and, and big plays, but um, they've got to find some balance because this offense is built on, um, 
you know, play action, being able to run the ball, setting up play action, and then get some big plays going there. This week it was more uh, a lot of quick hitting, timing patterns, throwing to a spot, and uh, and it worked well. But, uh, you know, down the road they're going to need to find some balance. Now Joe Mixon, for those who don't know, did injure his ankle. I think it was about midway through the second quarter or so. Um, sprained ankle, I guess a lineman fell on his ankle. He rolled it, and uh, MRI on Monday came back and said that, uh, you know, there's no structural damage or anything, so nothing severe, but we don't know the timeline of recovery there. Uh, maybe he's limited next week. Maybe he doesn't play next week against San Francisco. I don't know, but um, they're obviously it's obviously something to watch throughout the rest of the week. Um, yeah, I'm seeing more about the kicker. Kicker. Uh, yeah, so... Lee Jones, this one's interesting. Dre, Dre Kirkpatrick's got to keep his cool. Yeah, so he got called for a, a personal foul penalty, pretty you know, pretty bad penalty. I, I did not see this, what I'm about to say, but I've heard other people talk about it. The I saw that there was some extracurricular stuff going on throughout much of the game uh, from Seattle players to Bengals players on offense and defense, I guess. A lot of jawing, and um, you know, I think it, Dre was obviously a very stupid penalty. Um, but he was, I think one of the guys that finally, he was the guy that got caught, right? I mean, there's all these people doing it throughout the game and he was the guy who got caught. So, um, you know, an unfortunate situation there. And, and yes, I mean, he is known as kind of a team leader, uh, one of the, the most vested veterans on the team. So, you know, that's a guy that you would hope to, re to be relied upon to not make those kinds of mistakes. And he did. Uh, Joseph Daxel says Andy Dalton looked really good in this system. Just proves to me that Marvin Lewis is the problem. Uh, not the players. Glad he's gone. Yes. Yes. Um, I, I, I do think that, you know, memories, memories can, uh, can change perceptions, I guess. Um, I mean, I, you also have to look back at what Marvin did when he first got to Cincinnati and how he turned around that team. So I, I can understand the sentiment of glad he's gone because of what's happened basically from the end of 2015 through 2018. I get it, but uh, you know, uh, he was here for a while for a reason. And that was because he did turn the team around and make them competitive. But I do understand the sentiment, Joseph. Um, he, he kind of was, an old school coach in a new school league, I guess. Um, and that's, that's starting to show. And obviously this system and what Zach Taylor is doing is really working for, for Andy Dalton. And, and I want to reiterate a point in case some of you join me late here, but a point I made towards the beginning, the, the amount of substitutions I've seen in a, in a given series is um, it was very, very interesting, it was very, very, um, you know, I, I felt that it kept Seattle's defense on their heels quite a bit. Uh, so, you know, that I think is a facet that, you know, we talked about the running game. We talked about play action. We talked about, you know, maybe giving some other guys some chances, but really the cycling in and out of players to really utilize mismatches. That is what I saw. And, and I was really impressed with um, seeing it firsthand from, from Zach Taylor. In case you're just joining us, I'm Anthony Cazenza, and I am with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, part of the Cincy Jungle slate of podcasts. So check out our show. We're adding more, too. So um, there, there are probably uh, 
there's going to be another show or two in the slate of episodes. So check that out. And of course, keep it to Cincy Jungle for all your news, opinions, analysis, all that good stuff. I'll be here for a few more minutes taking your questions and comments and uh, breaking down week one, the the heartbreaking loss uh, that the Bengals suffered at the hands of uh, at the hands of the Seahawks. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once in a lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Um, this is interesting from Christopher Cusson here. Before the, the commercial break, while they reviewed the play, the TV graphic said it was called an incomplete pass. When we came out of commercial break, the TV graphic said it was ruled a fumble. Um, yeah, there was, there was a whole – there was the, the Andy Dalton fumble thing. That was kind of a weird, a weird thing at the end of the game. Then I think that's what Chris is, is referencing here. Then there was the John Ross incomplete pass that was challenged. It probably should have been called a complete pass, and it was not. Like I said, there was the pass interference play that was reviewed and really seemed very cut and dry to me. Luckily, they made they kept the right call, but the fact that they even spent time that much time watching that, you know, that was kind of uh, maddening. And then, you know, as I mentioned earlier, Dre was the guy who got caught with a personal foul penalty. But I have heard that there were some other times, occasions that uh, Seahawks players were in on this. Um, Tyon Brown, my thoughts for the Sunday home opener, I would assume that means against the 49ers. Uh, I, you know, I, I didn't get to watch the 49ers play this week. I, I, I would like to maybe see some highlights and watch a little film to see what they do. Um, I'm going to tell you this, though. If the Bengals can consistently play at or around this level that they played in Seattle, if they could play at that level, clean a few a couple of things up these little you know mistakes where there's fumbles and all that kind of stuff if they can clean that stuff up this is going to be a, a very competitive team um, I think San Francisco feels that they have a competitive team as well but um, you know I, I think I, I think for now um, you know I, I'm I would say I, I think the Bengals probably win some a close one um, I, I, I felt I left that stadium uh, yesterday feeling pretty good about what I witnessed because I really was not sure what I was going to witness. I didn't know if I was going to see a, a game where these guys get blown out and totally embarrassed and really basically feed the narrative that's going on in the media with, with their expectations of this team or something like this. Maybe they even squeak out and win that sort of thing. So 
I was very impressed with what I saw, and I, I think it bodes well going forward. I do think that the Bengals need to enter. If they are going to make you know, a playoff push, I do think this is a team that's going to win more games late because they, they grow, they mature in the system, the coaches get some experience under their belt, that sort of thing. But um, I, I do think that even if they are going to maybe make a case for the playoffs – this is it. They'll probably need to go at least two and two in this first in these first four games, which include a loss already to Seattle, the home opener. You're you're asking about tie on to uh, the 49ers, and then the uh, they have a game against the Bills, and then they play Pittsburgh. I believe it's in Pittsburgh on Monday night. So um, kind of an up and down game, depending on how you view those opponents, or up and down slate uh, first part of the schedule there, depending on how you view those opponents. I think if they can win these next two games uh, going into that Monday night game against the Steelers at two and one, um, you know, maybe sneak a win out there. We saw the Steelers play last night and they looked awful. Juju Smith Schuster, they're basically their best offensive weapon, not named James Connor hurt his toe. So we don't know what his situation is there. We, we saw that kind of deal happen with AJ green last year. I don't know if it's a similar thing, but definitely injured his toe towards the end of the game. Um, so, you know, I think that the Bengals, uh, I, I'm looking ahead a little bit, but I think the Bengals are in pretty good shape uh, for for this Sunday. They, I'd like to see them get back Cordy Glenn because the tackles this week were a disaster. Um, so hopefully Cordy Glenn comes back. That'll help things, and it should actually help in the run game as well. Um, you know, I, I think that if the defense plays at a similar level, getting after the quarterback, that will be huge, huge, huge. Uh, for this team and you know Garoppolo can move around a little bit like Russell Wilson can and still those guys were able to corral Russell Wilson so um, you know I, I feel good about going in going to next week uh, I feel good about the, the Buffalo game the big test will be Pittsburgh luckily though this division seems to be wide open the Bengals seem to be far more competitive than a lot of people think the Browns absolutely just I mean I, I can do some not safe for work phrases uh, to throw out, but basically they really embarrassed themselves uh, in their debut, their home debut. And uh, as did the Steelers. Now the Ravens uh, looked very good against a terrible Miami team. So this division now is, is kind of wide open and the Bengals, like I said, if they're going to make a run at things, they need to start getting some wins, a couple of these wins early here. Um, if they're going to make, make noise at the end of the, of the year. Uh, yeah, Tyrus C. Humphrey Hubbard looked like an all-pro yesterday. Hubbard looked great. Dunlap looked great. Geno Atkins was pressuring the quarterback quite a bit. Lawson had a couple of pressures. And that's so that's that's what I love. I'm gonna I'll kind of wrap it up with this. That's what I love about what Zach Taylor is doing. He realizes there are deficiencies on the roster, and what he does is he 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 wants his coaches and himself also on offense. He wants to create schemes that say, okay, look, we're really talented on the defensive line. We can get after the passer. Let's really try and maximize that. And then that way we can mask maybe some potential weaknesses at the linebacker spot. You know, uh, we're missing Darquez Denard. So, you know, maybe, you know, the slot corner situation isn't ideal at the moment. So he, I, I think they're creating schemes to play to their strengths. Even though this is a flawed roster, there are some areas of strengths. The defensive line is one of them. Hubbard had a great game yesterday, and I mentioned Dunlap and others. You know, uh, the Bengals had problems on the offensive line. They could not run the ball, but what they did is they designed a passing game that, were, you know, 
was basically made Andy Dalton get into a rhythm, get comfortable throwing to spots, and he he played well. Uh, I mean, aside from those those fumbles, um, you know, he played he played pretty well, and that's what I like about this coaching staff. They're they're playing to strengths uh, and and hiding weaknesses, and I don't know that the previous regime did anywhere near as good of a job as that uh, of doing that as this crew is because you know, we, we've seen what happened. <laughs> we, we saw what happened the last three, three years uh, under the previous regime. And, um, you know, wasn't great, but, uh, it looks like things are heading in the right direction. Again, it's one game kind of hard to tell, but I, I was pleasantly surprised. Would have liked to have seen them squeak out that win. That would have been a very, very high quality win, uh, a first win for Zach Taylor. But, um, now they're on to San Francisco and, uh, you know, that's their home opener next week. Unfortunately, the Bengals, I, I think they only have one home game, that, that home opener, one home game in the first four. So that's why I was mentioning it's critical that they get at least two wins out of these, out of that stretch because it's going to be going to be tough sledding here over the next couple of weeks. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Again, for those that I maybe met at, uh, in Seattle, some of the Bengals fans and other Seattle Seahawks fans. It was awesome meeting all of you. Thanks so much for tuning in here. As usually I do these right after the game. I apologize. I was on a plane back today, so, uh, you know, couldn't, couldn't really do that. But uh, got on here when I could when I got home and um, appreciate it. Uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the game regardless of the heartbreaking result. And uh, we will see, uh, we'll see you real soon.